Please pray with me. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Amen. I love the beauty of that prayer. Its very first words bless God. It acknowledges God as ruling over the whole world, the universe, actually, and that bread, necessary for human life, is a provision and blessing of the Lord, our God. It is God who brings forth bread from the earth. This brief prayer, printed in your bulletins, is prayed by devout Jews before eating. We'll come back to it as it has relevance to our reflection on the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. On Friday, July 7th, after celebrating the 4th in Michigan with extended family, my husband John and I drove through a portion of Ontario to view Niagara Falls from the Canadian side. We crossed into Canada over the famous Blue Water Bridge at Port Huron, Michigan and Sarnia, Ontario. As it happened, we received an ice-cold welcome from the Canadian Border Protection Officer. Now, <laughs> we have dear Canadian members and friends in this congregation, so this is certainly no reflection and no accurate portrayal of the love between Canadians and Americans. I mention it only to give you a sense for our feelings as we continued on our way. You see, we felt like strangers, foreigners, in a strange land. We joked about the potential consequences of being pulled over for speeding and quickly reset the speedometer on the car to read kilometers per hour instead of miles per hour so that we could be extra careful. And when we reached our destination, Niagara Falls, we expected to be impressed by its wonder. And we were awed. It is truly a wonder of the world. What we didn't know to expect was the continued feeling of being foreigners amongst other foreigners. July 7th on, on a beautiful midsummer day at one of the fearsome, breathtaking, awe-inspiring wonders of creation is very, very crowded. We parked at one end of the falls and decided to walk to the farther end and then back again. And we held hands, actually, for the most part, just to stay together. We were surrounded from people, by people, from many nations. It was actually like walking through a sea of humanity, of such a variety of shapes and sizes and languages and skin colors. The crowd, instead of detracting from the stunning glory of the falls, actually heightened it for us. If you've read Andy Crouch's book, The Life We're Looking For, you'll be familiar with his application of the phrase image bearers. All those people, each and every one, strangers to John and me, created in the image of God, reflect God's glory. I suppose we could have passed by a thousand people on our walk along the falls. I confess I did wonder if they were hungry for the same things that I hungered for. Of course, we actually all were there because of the grandeur and beauty. But why do we hunger even for that? What are we seeking? Jesus and his disciples 
encountered at least five times as many people in the gospel passage that I just read. That crowd was literally chasing after Jesus because they were hungry for more miracles, more healing, more of his radical teachings. They were desperate for salvation from the heavy oppressions in their lives. I wonder if they perceived Jesus to be one of the wonders of the world. They should have. Our passage begins, when Jesus heard this, this being the awful beheading death of his cousin, John the Baptist. When Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there. Jesus sought a desolate place to get away from the crowd, but Matthew's highlighting of it as a wilderness place evokes the Exodus story, where God fed an entire generation of people with bread. Human beings eating the bread of angels, as our psalm calls manna. And our passage from Nehemiah confirms God, not Moses, sustained them in the wilderness. Give us this day your daily bread. Themes of redemption from slavery and God's provision of sustenance are already present for this particular crowd of 5,000 plus, if they care to notice. All four Gospels relate this miracle, so we know it's important. Jesus does for this crowd what God did for their ancestors. Matthew's Gospel is attuned to two Jewish expectations that the Messiah will fulfill. He will save his people from their sins, from exile, from captivity, and he will dwell with his people. So here we find Jesus in the wilderness among his people. And when Jesus is among his people, he is filled with compassion. Jesus set aside his own grief to care for this huge crowd, and he does so all day long. But all four of the gospel writers hurry the narrative along to get to the need for bread. At the end of the day, everyone is hungry for actual food. Jesus satisfies that hunger too. He takes the bread of the earth, not grain all by itself freshly picked from the field, but grain, beaten, winnowed, combined, kneaded, and shaped, likely by a mother's hands. Then he blesses it, praying the very prayer we prayed at the beginning of this homily. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Then he multiplies or breaks it. The bread of the earth multiplied by the bread of life himself. As it is distributed or given and consumed, Jesus satisfies the hunger of the huge crowd. There's profound Eucharistic foreshadowing in the feeding of the 5,000 as Jesus takes, blesses, breaks, and gives the bread. This miracle and the ritual meal of communion are linked by the use of food, bread to be specific, in the dispersal of divine blessings, and both point to Jesus as true bread. God sent them food in abundance. 
Jesus multiplies five loaves and two fish, and all ate and were satisfied. Jesus demonstrated his authority over food resources, even as he had demonstrated his authority as he taught and healed. Not only is this crowd of 5,000 men plus women and children fed, but there are leftovers, 12 baskets full, ridiculous, unreasonable abundance. For the sake of that Jewish crowd, Jesus uses that number 12, another connection to Exodus, a nod, more than a nod, to the 12 tribes of Israel and God's choosing and caring for them abundantly. At the center of Matthew's gospel is the question, who do people say that I am? And to the disciples, who do you say that I am? They answer, you're the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. Later, both Matthew and Mark tell the story of another feeding of 4,000 primarily Gentile seekers with seven baskets of bread left over. There, symbolizing not only abundance, but perfect completion and inclusion. Jesus enacts God's will that all hungry people be fed. It would be a wonderful study to just go through scripture and look for all of the places that God provides bread for hungry people and all of the places where God encourages his people to share bread with the hungry. As Pastor Paul stressed last week, Matthew's emphasis is on Jesus and the kingdom of heaven, which requires a new kind of allegiance with a very different economy of power and ways of living and being. When Jesus saw the great crowd, he did not send them away. Rather, his immediate response was one of compassionate power expressed in healing. And as the day went on, compassionate multiplication of bread for their very human hunger. Jesus' disciples were inclined to send the hungry crowd away to fend for themselves, but not Jesus. His compassion extended way beyond what the crowds thought they had come for. Jesus' compassion is an uncommon hospitality. What's our inclination when we're overwhelmed with anything? With work, busy schedule, relational uncertainties? What's our common response? Probably not to take care of others, right? Today is the Sunday we remember and celebrate the Feast of Jesus' Transfiguration. Matthew writes of it in chapter 17. Up on a high mountain, three of Jesus' disciples, Peter, James, and John, get a glimpse of heaven. Jesus is glorified right before their eyes. A bright cloud overshadows them, and the voice of the Heavenly Father speaks, This is my Son, the Beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. Returning to our story of the feeding of the 5,000, from a heart of compassion, what are Jesus' words to his disciples when they approach him about the need for food? You give them something to eat. You feed them. Wait, what? Jesus is looking for a compassionate response from his disciples. Andy Crouch says, 
Love calls out the best in us. It awakens our hearts. It stirs up the depths of our souls. It focuses our minds. It arouses our bodies to action and passion. It calls out what is most human in us. Matthew doesn't include the detail about where the five loaves and two fish come from. He just says the disciples have them. Listen to Jesus' reply. Bring them here to me. Let me, let me remind us, this is a wilderness setting. The reason the people of Israel were in the wilderness with Moses 1,300 or so years previous was to give them opportunity to leave behind their bondage, leave behind their old, defeated ways of thinking, and to learn to get to know their God, Yahweh, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Bring what you have to me. The disciples are invited to sh into the joy of sharing in Jesus' ministry. You feed them. Jesus is doing a new thing. This is not magic. It is love. And Jesus' disciples, us too, get to be involved in it. Jesus is establishing a new covenant, and we are invited to hear from him how we are to play our part. Listen to him. In that book that I mentioned of Andy Crouch's, he says that the defining mental activity of our time is scrolling. Oh dear. Technology is our kind of multiplying magic. But Crouch goes on, a truly advanced technology should make us all more fully persons not less the longer we use it. It should connect us ever more deeply to other people, to nature, and to God. It should be of special benefit to the vulnerable, not just solving their problems, but elevating their dignity, and should have increasing benefits for even those who do not wield it, rather than degrading everyone but the ones who possess it. We are to be involved with God in caring for others. We acknowledged in our prayer at the beginning that our supply of bread from the earth is actually from God, or as our, we say in our offertory prayer, of your own have we given you. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples when they returned with food while Jesus stayed and encountered the woman at the well in Samaria? I have food to eat you don't even know about. The disciples were pretty phased by that. Actually, I would be too. But then Jesus says, listen to him, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. We would be wise to understand Jesus' actions in Matthew 14 as not limited to a blessing of hospitality to the crowd that was in front of him that day. True, they were hungry spiritually and physically but they were also harassed and helpless, oppressed by the injustices of the Roman world ruling and overshadowing them. They were sheep in need of a true shepherd, for their current shepherds, the religious leaders of their day, interpreted scriptures in ways that kept them in bondage, such that they were not even able to see the Messiah. Jesus is enacting, if you will, the Sermon on the Mount in that wilderness place. This is a taste of the kingdom in all its fullness, 
where there will be abundant food and feasting, safety and security for all. This world is not our home. The longing we have for truth, beauty, goodness, the peace our souls hunger for, the deepest longings of our heart, God desires to satisfy. Ezekiel envisioned the time when God would break the self-satisfying rule of unjust rulers, an age when the trees of the field shall yield their fruit and the earth shall yield its increase. They shall be secure on its soil when I, Yahweh, break the bars of their yoke and save them from the hands of those who enslave them. I will provide for them a splendid vegetation so that they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land. Isaiah anticipated an age when on this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food. Deuteronomy describes the promised land as a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. John and I experienced a feeling of joy walking amongst the crowd of nations at Niagara Falls. We were delighted to be foreigners among foreigners from many, many nations on July 7th and to bless them as image bearers. And we were mildly relieved to cross the border again into the U.S. But we are still strangers in a strange land, for we are made for another country and Jesus asks us to bring his message of healing, love, and bread to others that they too might join us there. The compassion Jesus calls us to is a love for whole people. It is a love that comes with an urge to hospitality, to extend that love to others. There is nothing that separates us from the love of Christ. In a political theology article by Alistair Roberts, he notes that churches who are actively involved in evangelism also care for immigrants. David Taylor writes, there is no such thing as an autonomous spirituality. Faith is always lived in the company of God's people, God's people, with other people, foreigners if you will and that our life in the company of God's people happens in the presence of the nations. Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats my bread, they will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Jesus, the living bread of life, invites all of us to a great feast the promised land of security and abundance. And at the marriage supper of the Lamb, as the Lamb, Jesus says, let everyone who hears say, come. As we listen deeply to Jesus, naturally we invite the nations to hear him as well. We invite those who are hungry and thirsty for spiritual food and for actual food to come 
to Jesus, to drink and eat, and to be satisfied by his provision, provision of true life. Bread can symbolize just about anything in the Bible, but at what it points to most is Jesus himself. He is the bread we must all take in if we truly want to find physical, spiritual, eternal life. As we are filled and strengthened daily, we go forth into the world sharing with others, with the nations, as one beggar telling other beggars where to find food. Blessed are you, Lord God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.